This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 119 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we ask why mares are often underestimated. The breed of the show is the ragdoll cat. In Critter Nutrition, we offer tips for the overweight dog. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, if your horse or dog was a human, what would his or her favorite beverage be? Listen in. I'm Tigger. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen, the ringleader of this here circus. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Healthy Critters Radio, where we get together every few weeks or so and chat about all things healthy for our horses, our dogs, (laughs) our cats, our chickens, our llamas, ourselves. But we're not talking just physical health. We talk about our emotional and mental health as well. Do we not? It is true. It is true. And at this part of the show, when we first get started... I frequently quiz Tigger and Patty. My favorite part. Your favorite part. And today's quiz question is, Patty, you went to Dressage Regionals. How'd it go? Well, Tell us first which region it was. First, start there. It's for Region 9. It's Region 9. And it's it's held in Houston, Texas at Great Southwest uh, Equestrian Center, which is a very, very, very large venue. And most of it's under roof. And we had gorgeous weather, which was, I mean, just simply gorgeous weather, which was wonderful. And, you know, as with all the stuff that's been going on this year, we've all felt just grateful to even just be able to show. And, and I have been to a show a month since they were back on track. And, you know, every show had definitely had different protocols and how they've handled it. And all of them, I think, have done a great job not knowing, you know, how to do this, right? This is our first time we've been doing this. So my, my hat's off to all the Yes, for, for pretty much everybody volunteers. in the world, this is the pandemic maiden voyage. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. For, sure, for sure, for sure. So, so, but what was kind of interesting, you know, going into this, because now, now you know, this particular group it's, uh, that runs it for Region 9 called Show Secretary, and you do everything online, which is obviously awesome. And for those people that don't know much about dressage, you go through different different levels, and at each level, there are different tests, about three in the American levels, and then you get what's called international. But the point being is that you have a judge that sits there and watches you perform specific movements that are numbered, and they have to write this on a piece of paper, but actually what they have is a scribe who writes it down, and the scribe sits right next to the judge four hours and hours on end. Well, they've had to develop all new booths that the judges sit in and the scribes sit in and they have plexiglass and they actually, what they end up doing is have a little area where they can slide this test paper back and forth. So at the very, very end, the judge can actually handwrite her comments as to what they like or what to improve on or Anyway, anything, but, but what they have to do, and this is a whole lot more work for the show committee is now after these tests, and there's, you know, at least probably 80 tests that go in a day in a six to seven ring show. So that's a lot of paperwork, but they don't want people now going and picking up their tests. So they email all of them. I mean, think about the undertaking that, that, I mean, just think about like how much more work that becomes for the show secretary and they really, all of that really went off without a glitch. But what was the biggest thing that stood out that was different than any other show is, you know, at the championships, you have award ceremonies that, you know, at every level. And it was very interesting. And I'm not 100% sure why, but you were absolutely required to wear your mask during the award ceremony. Not when you're riding, not when you're warming up, but during the award ceremony. And they actually... And again, super grateful that they still did the award ceremonies because we were kind of afraid that it would be sort of anticlimactic if they didn't because people work all year round 
to qualify and get in the show. And then if you win, you know, you'd like to be out there and have everybody see you and get your picture taken. And, but, but they literally required it. In fact, you couldn't go in unless you had your mask on. So that was sort of an interest, an interesting thing that I kind of hadn't expected. And then they have a big thing that says, you know, that the type of championships that is that you can take a picture with your horse with, you know, the region behind it and, you know, USEF and all of these wonderful things. And again, you also had to have your, your mask on for that, but they would make announcements every day saying, okay, guys. And this, this was the biggest difference to me was that, you know, a lot of people were taking pictures there and then posting them on Facebook, you know, saying they had won something. And, um, I guess the USEF was following it and saying they don't have their mask on, tell them to stop doing that. So, I mean, it's a lot of undertaking. I mean, it just the added work to it was just amazing to me. And, and honest and truly, it really did run very seamless. But you just don't, it's even after all this time of us going out and wearing masks and stuff like that, it's still real easy to, you know, get out of the what the protocol is. Like, you just don't think about it. You're sitting on a horse, you're not thinking about putting a mask on. So it was just, it was just very interesting to me to see how many people I mean, really work together to make it go off without a hitch. But the last, the last thing that I thought was very interesting. And again, not at any other show. And it's because it was, you know, region nine, which is representing a very large area, but they had, you know, um, people come in and, you know, everybody has markers everywhere, six feet apart, six feet apart. But if people were standing next to each other, I have, you know, I have a, a barn full of ladies that I teach and there's a lot of ladies that, you know, like to stand on the sidelines when somebody else is showing. And unless you were staying in the same hotel room or, or trailer or whatever, they didn't want you standing next to each other and they'd go around and break up groups. So, I mean, it was just a huge effort and it was amazing to me to see how, how well everybody handled it and how they were able to orchestrate it. And just, just the amount of man power and time and, you know, on the show committee and the show secretary, I just, it was, I was really very, very impressive, you know, but just kind of different than other shows. So it was, it was a, it, you know, it was a long week. It was a great week and all the people and all the volunteers really made it pretty amazing. And I, I, you know, I'm sure there was hitches, but you certainly from our side of it, it kind of went off without a hitch. So it was kind of, it was just different. So, so do you think there was any difference because of, all of the COVID protocols that were in place were, do you, were there people who you expected to see there that didn't come because of the complications of getting to and participating? I don't think so. People, I mean, I, it was well attended. Yeah. You know, I don't think, no, I don't, that's a great question. I don't think so. There was only one barn there that didn't show up that I didn't even notice wasn't there until afterwards, but you know, and I have no idea why, but they may not have done any showing. Right. Um, yeah. Some people are just shooting. not showing at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I felt like I didn't feel like it was smaller in any way than it has been in the past. Now so. you, you are in Texas and the show was also in Texas, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you didn't, you didn't have to deal with any of the going across state line hassles. No. Mm-mm. Cause that can just, that's no. just a crazy, it makes my head spin. And I hear p- people talking about the crazy stuff they had to go through to, Cross state lines right now, so it sounds like it, yeah, pre- it really pretty much went off without a hitch. Yeah, as far as I could tell, it certainly did. I didn't even think about that because you know people were coming from Oklahoma. Not even sure all the states that are in our region. I know it's huge, but I, you know they were coming from I think at least three different states. So I didn't even think about that. But I, you know, but I always <clears throat> actually traveling in in Texas, especially to this specific showgrounds, you always have to have a health certificate, health certificate which is something that, you know, Tigger and I being on the East coast, you really only ever got a health certificate going into Florida, you know, and that was just like a once a year thing or twice a year to get in Florida and out of Florida. But since I've moved here, they always require that you have that, you know, just basically stating it just that that goes and looks over the horse and says, yes, temperature's fine. Looks good. doesn't have any, Mm -hmm. you know, visible signs of being ill. And so, yeah, but like, you know, but again, they, they, you have to have a wristband to get in some, you have to sign up a ton of waivers, one for the facility, one for USEF. Some places that in the shows that I've done has, have actually taken your temperature. 
they did not do that, which kind of surprised me with how tight they were being with the protocol. But again, I guess maybe because it's so many people, but there was a man almost all hours at the gate going in and out. I think, I think the, um, the temperature part that we see at various and sundry horse shows at various and sundry times is probably affected by what the current case numbers are as they, as they spike and then fall off and spike and fall off. I think that requirement changes pretty frequently depending on what the current case numbers look like. Cause it's same thing happened well, here in Florida. It, Sometimes for a while they were doing it and then they weren't, and then they were doing it and they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But if you think about it, which I wasn't even thinking about it until you brought it up. I mean, we were coming from a bunch of different States, tons of different counties. So how would they even be able to control, like control that? Like, I'm sure, do you know what I mean? I'm sure every state, every county obviously has different peaks and lows. Yep. But yep. And, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I was, crazy. Just, I was super impressed with how they handled something that, you know, was a, a, a huge undertaking in its own right and then add all the COVID stuff. So, so that, that's the global look. How did regionals go for Perucci and Friends? Uh, kick ass. Yay! home a lot of championships and reserve championships so quite how many, well how many horses and how many students did you take see i took my i took my baby horse just for experience and he was just the champion every day uh, oh he's so adorable let's see i took one two three four five, six horses i guess yeah about six horses but we yeah we had a really great show yay well there we go that's yeah. that's uh Region nine regionals and, and how it went. I suspect very similar. And I've had a similar experience at the couple of things I've gone to down here in central Florida. This time of year, we're doing this show in October. The competitive season for pretty much all disciplines is just getting started. So what we're seeing right now are the, the tail end of the schooling shows. And the, we're starting to see the recognized shows that earn people points here. And the few things that I've gone to in the past month or so were very well attended. I think yeah. after the, the long, hot summer everywhere and everybody being stuck in home and people are just really eager to get out. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, it's, it just, I was just so impressed because there's just so many details that have to be figured out and it's, it's just on a normal thing. And boy, it was nice, it was nice to see people outside you know, in, uh, in, in nice weather and, you know, it was just, it was, it was just great. Cool. To see all that. Cool. Well, speaking of, of strange things going on, it's 2020 and we are now at the beginning of October and this past weekend, we all enjoyed the Preakness, which doesn't normally happen. Right. (laughs) In October. Typically it's in June. I know it was weird. It's weird. weird, And even weirder. Yay. Is that a mare won? A filly by the name of Swiss Skydiver. So Tigger has the topic of the roundtable today. What is it? Well, why are mares often underestimated? And I, I was so inspired because when I watched the Preakness and how that mare just dug in and held on. And that, that stallion, Authentic, is a powerhouse. And she just held him off, won by a nose. And I started thinking about, you know, some of the great mares, Rocher that John Williams rode and Touch of Class that Joe Farges rode. And you, it, really, we don't see a, a lot of mares in the upper, upper, upper levels of show jumping or dressage or eventing. They're mostly geldings and some stallions. And so it. You know, I I think that that there might be, you know, a kind of well, I want to say a prejudice almost that not only do we just sort of think of mares in terms of their ability to to reproduce, but that we because mares take a a definite a, a different approach sometimes to training and. They're different from geldings in the barn that, you know, we, we underestimate 
what they can bring to the table as serious performance horses. Hmm. Interesting. So do you think, I think it might be different in the U S and Europe too, because I, I, at least I have the impression that it's not all that uncommon for mares to be like it happens in the racing industry. A mare that's well-bred might just go straight to the to the breeding barn and just start making babies because she's more profitable that way than being a competition horse. So that's going to take some of the competitive horses out of the picture, the ones that do that. And I think I think it's just plain old prejudice because I do too. We've as horses went from being a working animal, something that was a necessity for our existence to becoming a luxury and then from being a luxury to um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say a tool for competition, but an animal that an an athlete, a paid athlete that get paid by being cared for the fact that mares can require additional time, additional effort, unique solutions to be at their best is going to, it's, it's not going to fit into the streamlined create an athlete as quickly and cost effectively as possible point of view that we might have now. Well, I, you know what I thought was interesting was that the odds, um, she went off at 11 to one. Now she'd been a really successful filly. And I thought the odds reflected the fact it's a filly against stallions. So, of course, she's not going to be favored. And when you think about, what was that other race mare? Not Ruffian, but something Alexander. Rachel Um, Alexander. That's it. You know, these, there's probably more mares, even in, in in the performance horses, that are either misunderstood and don't get, they're, they're, they don't get to reach their full potential because mares are different. I mean, they're, they're definitely different, <laughs> but, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. It's it, they have their own unique qualities and some people don't get along with them and some people do. And you kind of have to really recognize them as truly individuals and tailor yourself Patty probably remembers my America Tanga. She, she was also known as Leona Helmsley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, she was tough. But I, you know, after watching that race, I thought, you know, we we meaning the horse community and the horse industry. I, I think that maybe we have overlooked mares and shouldn't just be thinking of them for the breed shed, but for their in- incredible heart, the way that mare dug in, it was it was riveting to watch. She was not going to lose, by gosh. And and I think that when you think of Touch of Class, when you think of Rocher, some of the really great mares, that's what they have is this incredible sort of like women. <laughs> we, we have that ability to just dig in and not only get the job done, but give it our all. What is, so, what is that saying? What is that saying about hot water? Uh, no, no. Something about, you know, you tell a gelding, oh, you know, something, but you, you know, you have to ask a mirror. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think do. that, I think really, I think that's very true. Cause you know, I, I've had mainly stallions in, in my, Italians and geldings and a few mares here and there, but I'll tell you a mare that changed my life that really taught me how to ride more patiently, um, was a chestnut mare and her name was just Emily. She thought that was the best name and boy, boy, she would leave a bunch of people out back, you know, farm in Virginia and, you know, but, um, and she came to me to be, um, you know, moved along and then sold. And, you know, I love it when people want to sell a horse because there's a problem. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, they're acting bad. You know, uh, I got to sell the horse. And so, you know, when you're young and hungry as a professional, you, of course, you want to 
take it on. And I was like, I, I, there was just a point and it took, you know, it took a while, but I think the biggest thing that I learned that I had to be super, super patient. I had to be patient and, and, and really learn how to ask and then how to be insistent without making it obvious. And it really, it taught me so much about horsemanship, you know, you know, and there's just, I, I just, my, my daughter, Hannah has a chestnut mare and she is an incredible and incredible horse, but it, it's not, it, it, you know, it hasn't been an easy road, but man, when she gives her all, whew. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, like you said, Tigger, it's like watching them dig in. It's just yep. uh, really interesting. So let's not underestimate the mares. Hello. Hetty. Hello, my friends. Whoa. Huh. Are you smoking something? <laughs> oh, just had a rich full day. Oh, I'm waking up. Now I'm mad. <laughs> you sounded very zen. I was thinking maybe you rolled a joint and, you know. Taylor, would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would take meth and snort crack. <laughs> That's true. Or just eat chocolate. Just eat so much chocolate. Yeah. So I would so not. We we, we, we have a question for you. And I have so many answers. <laughs> we, we know that. We would like to know what you think your servant's favorite beverage is. Oh, it's very simple coffee. She loves coffee. It's like her life's blood every morning. She says when we get to the place where she gets the coffee, she gets the coffee and then she drinks the coffee and she says, I love coffee. <laughs> in the tone of voice that I use to say, I love bacon. Does she, how she does she take coffee. her coffee, Hedwig? She takes it with an, a large amount of skim milk and three sweet rolls in case you wanted to send her some. She's always happy to have some. <laughs> and only one cup a day? Well, it's a large cup, but that's pretty much all she's allowed except when she's really tired and then she's allowed to have a second one. Aha. Uh-huh. But I don't think she should have to as a rule because it's indulgent. Ah. And what would be her evening beverage of choice? Water. She's very boring. Right now she's having tea because it's cold. Is there any she little, does drink like, a lot of tea. Any rum in it or bourbon? She's, she's trying to finish writing something on the box. Ah, on the clicky box. The clicking box. There's so much clicking on that box lately. Oh my god! I'm surprised it doesn't just buck her right off. Well, she's just published a a book. <laughs> Whatever. That's not true. It isn't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like when we say she has a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Here's like when you say to a that. kindergartner and they have to color in an apple or something. You talk about their homework because it makes them feel better, makes them feel like a grown-up. That's pretty much what we mean when we talk about her having a job. (laughs) But she does have a published, several published books. Well, I mean, okay, if we're going to pretend about things, then okay. But like, where do we get? credit you know it's just so important that we not indulge her ah the only indulging is with the palms yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) you know what's so funny my sister uh, mustard seed has her head problem and so at night she gets cold and she likes to lie upside down on her back inside the curl of the human's arm and have just her chin stroked with one finger. And if the human falls asleep and moves, she's punished. So funny. (laughs) And and then my other sister lies right on top of her. And if she moves, Peace Blossom goes insane, barking and growling. Every time she moves, she hasn't slept more than an hour in weeks. Oh, my God. She's looking a little punchy. 
and she has an article due, so she's really anxious all the time. And she gets interviewed about her fake book by people, and she has to sound intelligent. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this is why you shouldn't live a lie. Well, I was just saying a public service announcement for all our listeners. This is why you may want to reconsider getting a Pomeranian. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you shouldn't pretend to have a job when you don't. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to let your, your servant get back to uh, clicking on her box and getting ready for her interview. So thanks, Hedwig. And we'll be sending a nice certificate for your servant to have a nice big cup of coffee. She needs more coffee, trust me. She's a miserable psycho. <laughs> Good to know. Thanks. Yeah. Bye, Hetty. Okay, bye. Seeing you in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the breed of the show. So it is time for Breed of Show section of the program, and I have gleefully chosen to do ragdoll cats, partly because I have two. Of course I do. I, um, I've had mine, they're both about eight years old, and I originally, that my original purpose in wanting to get one <laughs> is I was doing a lot of traveling, and I it's very hard when you travel and you have a lot of dogs. And so I thought I wanted the most dog-like cat I could get. So I got a rag doll. And I have to tell you, I haven't been disappointed. I didn't know uh, the purpose and why I chose them is I knew they were a little bit of a larger cat. I knew they were very friendly, but they do this flopping thing. What they're known for is they kind of, when you pick them up, can just flop over like a rag doll. And I would, I have to say that is very true. Or you can be walking through your, house and turn a corner and they're just laying in the middle of the floor would be one of the cats just belly up just and just and for no reason you know just because that's what they what they do so so just doing a little research it's kind of interesting and i knew they had not been a in a breed in existence for a, a long time but they originated in california in 1960 and most likely it was the result of a, a white persian female and a burman or burman type Tomcat, and the woman that had started the, the the breeding program really was very specific about the type of cats that she had. That they were always very low key and very very gentle. And and what the rag dolls are known for, besides their adorable um, behavior of just laying down and being very very sweet, is they're just very they're a very calm cat and socially dependent, meaning they really like I where I mean if I get up and walk out of room, the cats follow me probably half of the time. They're they're very I don't mean to say dog like, but they really can be very dog like. They're a fantastic family cat. They're actually extremely trainable with positive reinforcement. I actually never had to treat my cats, but I can call them they're very, very, very smart. But I can call either one of my cats by name. And I would say and this is a cat. So anybody who has a cat knows that cats are very independent. But my cats will come when I call them, which is kind of kind of cool. My um, main coon did that. Yeah. He'd it's, go on it's walks really, with us. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I one of the things when I got my my two, they were very big and the breeders were very big about, you know, not letting them outside, you know, randomly, you know, on their own. And part of it is as I have had them now, I realize a lot of it's because I think that they're just such incredible, beautiful, beautiful cats, and they're so friendly. I think people, the breeders worried about them being stolen, to be quite honest. But my cats like to go outside for um, a little bit of time, and then they'll come in. I never, never let them stay out at night. Um, but, but again, most of the time they'll they'll come when I call them, which is it's just adorable. So, but like I said, the training part of it, they're really they're really kind of I mean easy considering in a cat term, easy to, to train. They're a bit of a bigger cat. You know, they can go from anywhere from 10 to 20 pounds. My two are probably right about around 12, really pretty basic and easy to take care of, but they do need, you know, grooming or their skin will mat. They come in a ton of beautiful colors, but probably the most popular color is the seal point. 
and where they have the quite adorable white little mittens. My female cat, her name is Fupa, that my daughter named, and um, extremely, extremely affectionate. But she, to the point where she'll come and lay on your head, <laughs> and Hannah calls it, um, you're being fupilated. And she'll lick your hair and like knead your knead your face, and she's just the sweetest thing. She'll do. She'll just lay there and do that until you tell her not to. Um, so if you if you're if you're looking for a cat or an animal that, that you you know want to be affectionate, and it's definitely one to consider. As far as health, they have just a couple of things. One of the big things is they do have some heart stuff. I I personally haven't dealt with that, but apparently you can get a DNA test or talk to your breeder if you decide to go that route. But I think that the, the best thing about them is they're just, they're beautiful. They're not a overly active cat, not saying that they won't run around and play, but for the most part, they're just, they just love being with their people. And um, so if you're looking for a, an apartment animal or even want a, you know, a cat to add to your home, I, I cannot highly, I can't recommend them any more highly. They are great cats and I've never had indoor cats this long and they have just both been just an incredible pleasure to have. So I'm going to give them two thumbs up. Here we are at Critter Nutrition, and my dog Buckaroo has dictated to me his Battle of the Bulge, and I'm going to read it to you, but these are tips on tips for the overweight dog. My name is Buckaroo, and I have a weight problem. My weight issues have been ongoing for several years. I am a seven-year-old Australian Shepherd who lives with seven other Australian Shepherds and two humans. One is the nice human, Peter. The other is the food Nazi known as Nurse Ratchet. I go by the names Bucka Schmoo and Mr. Schmoo because of my specialized talent in schmoozing humans, in order to get treats, of course. None of my other pack members have a weight issue. However, being the largest dog in the pack has its advantages. I can broadside another human or canine as well as any linebacker on an NFL football team. I can plow through the pack at will like Moses dividing the Red Sea. I take up so much space when I stand on the walkway to the back door, no one can get past me. I also intimidate new FedEx and UPS deliver drivers who see me as some kind of canine Titanic. I have heard Nurse Ratchet refer to me as a walking version of an Ottoman. Peter says I'm just big boned. Nurse Ratchet and two of my Aussie pack members spend the winters in Florida. This leaves Peter and I to enjoy three wonderful months of sharing peanut butter, potatoes, spaghetti, the bottom crust remnants of pies, a never-ending supply of dog treats, a heaping dog food bowl twice per day, and me getting to lick the casserole dishes clean. I can schmoo one or two of my pack members into stealing eggs from the chicken coop. Thunderbear is usually my first choice because he grabs an egg, takes it out, drops it, and then goes back inside for another egg. Of course, by the time he has a second egg, I've eaten the first one. This is my kind of life. Peter and Nurse Ratchet also have different training techniques. I figured P- Peter out pretty quickly and know that if he says, schmoo, let's go, and I just sit there, he will get a treat out to motivate me. I've trained him pretty well. Ratchet takes a decidedly different approach. If she says, let's go, and I pretend that A, she's speaking Swahili, or B, I didn't hear her, then she appeals to my inner Aussie curiousness. She says, oh, you don't know what you're missing, or oh, it's going to be good, which of course riles up the rest of the pack in pure excitement. Never does she whip out a treat. If I still stay sitting, she just leaves with the other pack members, and then of course I really want to join them, treat or no treat. When Nurse Ratchet returns from Florida, I go into food purgatory. She measures the amount of food in my bowl and always errs on the side of less is more. Heck, I can eat my breakfast in about three nanoseconds. I lick that bowl so clean I can see my reflection. When she gives treats, I get a quarter of a treat. Can you believe it? The others, oh, they get whole treat, not some smidgen that I can barely taste. For a time, she added kelp to my breakfast which, along with her starvation diet, actually did reduce my waistline over a period of several months. I actually got down to under 80 pounds. She was elated. 
I felt deprived. I could schmooze Peter into giving me a treat when Ratchet wasn't looking, or sharing his peanut butter with him in the man cave, or even conning him into taking me to Tractor Supply, where the nice lady at the counter always gives me several treats because she says I'm handsome. Big bone and handsome, that's me. Early this summer, Nurse Ratchet started me on a new weight loss supplement. If you think I turned my nose up at supplements, you would be wrong. I never met anything that is in my food bowl that I don't immediately inhale. One day, about two months later, I come strolling into the kitchen because Peter is cooking, which means spills on the floor, which I'm happy to clean up. The ratchet is in the kitchen, too, undoubtedly working on some evil plot to reduce my portion size again. She looks at me and moves closer, feeling my rib cage, and says to Peter, Peter, my friend, my bro, my comrade in eating, steps away from the stove and bends over me. He says, poor schmoo a shadow of his former self. Even I know this isn't true, but Ratchet starts laughing, and I body block Peter because that's what guys do to show their true affection. Don't you feel better, Schmooney? She asks with a nice voice. I hate to admit it, but actually I do. My stamina is better, and I'm not as stiff when I get up after a nice long nap. The supplement Ratchet put me on is Biostar's Optimum Healthy Weight Canine. It features the patented ingredient Chromanex 3, providing bioavailable chromium for carbohydrate, fat, and protein metabolism, shilajit for metabolism, and Indian gooseberry for circulatory support. It also includes foods with high vitamin, mineral, and antioxidant support, and kelp for thyroid support, plus medicinal mushrooms to help the HPA access. According to the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, as of 2018, 56% of dogs in the U.S. were overweight or obese. Breeds most affected by obesity are Beagles, Scottish Terriers, Yorkies, Bulldogs, Boxers, Dachshunds, Golden Retrievers, Rottweilers, English Mastiffs, Pugs, Newfoundlands, Basset Hounds, Labradors, Cocker Spaniels, and Chihuahuas. I can empathize with my fellow canines who carry a few extra pounds Even exercise and portion control may not be enough to reduce our love handles. I'm hoping that if Nurse Ratchet keeps me on optimum healthy weight canine and Peter remembers to give it to me twice a day, maybe she won't come back from Florida, take one look at me, shriek, and remove all the food goodies in my life. Maybe Peter will say, he's big boned and he's buff. A buff buckaroo. Has a nice ring to it. Now can I have a treat? Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we're at Coffee Clutch, and the question is... If your horse or dog was a human, what would be his or her beverage of choice? If you're wondering how I came up with this, I can't really tell you. But I I think it had to do with going to the grocery store and walking down the the wine aisle. And by the way, I, I don't drink any alcohol. And looking at all the different wines and then into the beer department and it just made me think wonder what my dogs would like if they were so that's how I got to this crazy question so I Keen my youngest Aussie definitely a beer drinker probably not sophisticated enough to go with a uh, craft brewer he'd probably be a Budweiser Coors guy <laughs> the cheapest beer he could drink because he's a teenager and you know it's expensive Crockett 
who is my other intact male, is a little bit more debonair, a little bit more like James Bond. He would be more of the bourbon on the rocks. You know, he'd he'd be a whiskey drinker and 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 sip. You know, he'd like to sip and maybe smoke a cigar. Kimasabi, my oldest, um, he's you know sort of the regular. I think Sabi would really like anything that was a sporting event like NASCAR, NFL, basketball, but I don't think he'd be a big beer drinker. I think, you know, he'd he'd be more of the guy that wanted a would make the really unusual punch or a mixed drink like margaritas. So Wookie, one of my girls, is she she's a real princess. So I think she would be more prone to, you know, high tea, <laughs> specially brewed, harvested under the full moon. You know, she'd want the whole, you know, and of course served to her. She wouldn't want to make it herself. How about you, Patty? Well, <laughs> Tigger, thanks for asking. I'm going to go through all of my animals as well. I am going to start out with Fupa. Um, because she is um, has a part in our show today, and Fupa yes, is my rag, the rag doll. doll. Yeah, and she is truly uh, she runs the world, and nobody knows it. But she is the princess of the entire world, and she wants a truly girly, girly drink, and she wants a Cosmo with Kettle One Ooh, and a frosted glass. Of course, she does, and she never finishes, <laughs> and she wants a Frosted. <laughs> so that would be would be Fupa. Hal is my baby horse who has the biggest eyes I've ever seen in the world. And um, you can hear them blink when he, when he blinks because he's just the cutest thing. And he's not allowed to have anything else other than milk because he's still a baby. So I think that <laughs> as time goes on, my gut feeling is he'll be a beer drinker. But I'm just saying right now he's allowed to have milk and that's it. Can he have chocolate um, milk? I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he can have chocolate Maybe. Only on Saturday maybe nights. Little, yeah, maybe on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday night he can definitely have chocolate. Milk. If he eats all his vegetables. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He eats every green on his plate. He can then have chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Burke, who is my just adorable, happy-go-lucky, never had a bad day in his life, who truly thinks he's a little badass and he's not in any way. Like he'll bark at something, but. If like, if there's a loud noise, like if he'll be barking to protect the household and, you know, he, he he'll bark, 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 and then he'll, he, a loud noise will happen and he'll like run away. So he would have a white printer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's bubbly and just like he catch who is my, my teenager, Australian shepherd who is just, you know, he's, he's like 18 ish now, you know, he'd be like an 18 year old boy. He definitely wants beer, but he wants Heineken. Ooh. He doesn't want, but yeah, the catch is a class act. He's just, okay. he's going to, but you know, he's just, but he's not going to do any of these other fruity IPAs or anything like that. He just wants Heineken. Okay. <laughs> he's a sports dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Angus, my, uh, and we may be here all night, kids, because I'm going through the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Angus is my um, my bigger of my two French bulldogs. And Angus is just, he's dignified in every way. He's silly. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, but he's intelligent. And he looks smart. And he likes gin martinis. Uh-huh. All the way. And last but not least, Rio, who is... The enforcer, <laughs> he, who, who apparently runs the roost, he's the smallest dog I have, runs the roost. He enjoys, he would enjoy sipping tequila, like a oh. sipping, a good sipping. What about you, Jen? <laughs> you were so much more thorough than I was. I, I did beverages for our two horses. Nigel, also known as Big Lumbering Oaf or Gomer Pyle. Uh, <laughs> his beverage of beverages of choice are Kona coffee in the morning. Ah, uh-huh. uh, Woodward Woodford Reserve from ten a.m. on. <laughs> and at, okay. at 
picnics. It's going to be the Kentucky Coffee Barrel Stout. Oh my gosh! He likes fancy That's drinks, but terrible. not foo foo ones. He wants fancy. He's, he's very sophisticated. Very, very fancy drinks, and he does like beer and he does like coffee. So uh, the other horse, Scooter, who is my husband's eleven, well, twelve hand, thinks he's sixteen hand Scooter, the Hackney Pony. His beverages of choice at no particular time of day and in no particular order are Yahoo. Grape soda. And green Kool-Aid. Oh my God. So basically just sugar. Just sugar. 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 And sugar. And then some sugar with some flavoring. With sugar and dye. Yes. Sugar and dye. Yes. Sugar and dye. It sounds so healthy. Yeah, but that that's I can so I can totally see Scooter chug a lug in a Yahoo every morning for breakfast. You Absolutely. mean a Yoohoo or ya, a Yoohoo? Sorry, not Yahoo. You, you, do they still make those? They still they make Yoohoo. Yeah. Wow. I drank some once. Ooh, it was scary. It's disgusting. Oh, it's just there's nothing about like it, oh yeah. I've never. I mean, it, to you know, I can do some chocolate milk. Uh, yeah, I haven't me too. been committed to it. I mean, I love chocolate. Like it, it I could, I could need Biostar healthy weight if I kept <laughs> drinking chocolate milk. Have you have you ever done this? You're you haven't done the dishes, or you're out camping and you don't have a clean cup or something. So you put some water in an empty soda pop or soda pop can or bottle, so you can have something to drink. And then when you drink it, your brain is very confused because it should taste like soda and it doesn't. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's sure. what yeah. Yoohoo is because they kind of make it look a little bit like chocolate milk. That's an excellent point. And then you when you drink it, it doesn't taste anything like chocolate milk. No, it just tastes like watered down sort of chocolatey bad milk. It tastes like fake. It No, there's nothing. The only reason your brain is saying it tastes vaguely chocolatey is they've convinced you. Of that, if you put Yuhu, yeah, no, if you put Yuhu in a box, uh, in, in a carton, and the carton said mm-hmm. broccoli milk, your brain would tell you that Yuhu tastes like broccoli. Broc. I'm, ta- I swear, it doesn't taste like anything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm with you. It's just gross. I've it's never gross. liked it. Yeah, never liked it. Grape well, soda, on the other hand, that's awesome. Knee high, yeah, yeah. knee high. Ooh. Or the Orange Crush. Orange Ooh, I used crush. to love that. <gasps> oh my gosh, I love oh, Orange Crush. God. I haven't. I don't drink soda at all. I don't either. I have not. I just don't even know what that. It's would very like. interesting that n- none of the three of us picked. You know, well, I guess Jen did, but nobody picked Coca Cola or Pepsi or you know a cola drink never, for our animals. Never, ever, ever. I. You can ask my children. We just never had soda. I mean, we just never did. Never been a big thing Sco- for me. Scooter, I can totally. Scooter would totally oh, love the bubbles, the fuzz, and he would just think that's yeah. great. He would shake and it up sugar. first. And the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Nigel would not appreciate the bubbles. No. Yeah, would does. scare him. He'd run backwards. He'd go ah! Make me sneeze. Make my nose itch. You know, and he'd be all. Well, if you. If your horse or dog were a human and had a particular beverage of choice, let us know what it is. Send us a postcard at Biostar US, 1 Cleveland Street, Gordonsville, Virginia, 22942. And by the way, if you are scratching your head right now going, oh, I want to send a, a, a postcard to, <laughs> to Tigger at Biostar in Gordonsville, Virginia, but I don't have a postcard. You can get postcards at all Cracker Barrel restaurants. Oh, that's wow. a good public service. And well, and you can you can make postcards. And you can make postcards, or alternately, you can take an envelope and write on a piece of paper, and put the piece of paper mm-hmm. in an envelope. And you have envelopes because every month, various and sundry utilities send you bills in the mail, which you then pay online. <laughs> and you have that envelope that they sent you that you're not going to use. So take that envelope and instead of throwing it directly into the round file, send it to Tigger at Biostar US in Gordonsville, Virginia, 
And if you can't remember that, you can just go to biostarus.com on the web and her address is there. And send the poor woman a a little note telling her what your animals (laughs) like to drink. Yeah, if they were human. Please. If they were human. If they were, if they were human. Or yeah, yeah. alternately, you can send her a note that says what you would drink if you were a horse or a dog. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, not my, not many choices there. Yeah, there you go. So that's it. I think that's a wrap, ladies. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BioStar US. You can find them online at BioStarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 